It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning. It's Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you care to do in your landscape. Day like today, 31 chilly degrees outside. Not so much at the Reeves Plantation. Not so much going to go on in the garden today. I stay inside today. I watch TV, maybe visit with my neighbors, but not a lot of gardening. But on the other hand, I am primed to answer any question you have about nuisance vertebrate animals. Travis, of course, has answered several questions about what to do with nuisance animal vertebrate creatures that come and bother you in your landscape. So if you have questions about deer, raccoons, possums, coyotes, uh, birds, if you have any kind of pest birds that are bothering you this time of year, I am primed to answer those questions this morning because I just did my master gardener training twice on how to control nuisance vertebrates, rats, squirrels, you name it. I've got the latest research-based information on what might and might not work when it comes to controlling animals. Voles, moles, how about those two? Do you know the difference between vole damage and mole damage? All good questions. You could ask me. All you got to do is phone me, 404-872-0750. gets you in this morning to ask any garden question on your mind. Well, you remember last weekend? It was really nice last weekend. And my neighbor has a mentee, Cameron. In other words, Gus mentors Cameron and occasionally gives Cameron <laughs> money to do yard work. And I borrowed Cameron for just a little bit last weekend. We got 10 or 11 bags, leaf bags, full of wet, matted down leaves and pine straw and all sorts of stuff on the flower beds out by the street. I have a lot of trees next to the beds that are by the sidewalk out in front of my house. And so a lot of leaves, a lot of needles, everything had piled up around my my regular plants, my plants that I want to emerge, my daffodils and things like that were barely peeking over these piles of leaves. And so I just took my blower and blew everything that I could out into the street. And then Cameron came along with the leaf rake and raked it all up and put it in the put it in the uh, paper bags. But we had a long, long, long progression of paper bags along the street waiting for the decap sanitation folks to pick them up on Monday. So I was glad to get that out of the way. If I could have used the leaves and the needles for for mulch underneath my shrubs. I would have, but I have enough mulch under all my shrubs I don't need anymore. And about all I could do is give it off to the county to compost and bring it back in the big piles that DeKalb County does. Although there was one great, wonderful, fabulous um, development in my garden this, uh, this week, and that was the sweet peas emerged. I'd planted them back, it must have been at least two, maybe three weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago. But I'd planted them when we had that nice warm spell, about four days. It was really nice and warm up in the 50s and low 60s, maybe a couple of weeks ago. And so I thought, well, this would be a great time to plant sweet peas because they need some cool weather, cold, moist soil, and they germinate pretty well in that. So it's time to do it. And this was around the last day or two of January. 
And so I planted my little sweet peas and put them in the ground and have been anxiously looking at that plot of ground for a couple of weeks. And then back, uh, what was it, maybe Wednesday or Thursday of this week, I noticed little green leaves, little green leaves sticking up above the row. And I made a trellis out of some old chicken wire and a couple of, bi- and literally out of chicken wire and bicycle tires, <laughs> bicycle tubes. That's what I made my trellis out of so the sweet peas could climb up that. And soon I'll have these little edible snap, sweet snap peas. They will be delicious to put in stir fries or just to eat off the vine completely raw. A lot of, lot of good things to be put into the garden that you eat right off the vine. And sweet peas are one of my favorite things to have. Again, if you've got a question about your garden or about critters or anything like that, 404-872-0750. Who's on the line right now? Joe will be on the line in a minute to talk about his beaver problems. Diana in Alpharetta has mold damage and thinks that juicy fruit gum might have a possibility of eliminating them. We'll figure that out with her. Bobby is in Jefferson and wants to know about fertilizing his lawn, but number one in the line, my friend Nicole from Griffin, Georgia. Hey, Nicole, good morning. Mr. Reeves. Nicole, good morning, good morning. Is the master gardener getting bigger or enthusiastic? I don't know if it's getting bigger. Bigger or not, a lot of the counties around the metro Atlanta area have to limit their classes to you know five or fifteen or twenty or whatever they can handle in the classroom. And the classes that I went to were certainly full, but I don't know how many people that had to turn away from the 2015 Master Gardener class. I don't know. Well, you see, when I was there, uh, Mister, uh, you couldn't find enough people. There was only seven or eight, uh-huh. but. All the county, I was talking to the people, they were turning away people. Exactly. Oh, people exactly. have more time in town than... For listeners who are wondering what Nicole and I are talking about, the Master Gardener program is administered by the Cooperative Extension Service, University of Georgia, and they, a lot of them have their training classes in the spring right now, and then people are trained up real good. They've been to several weeks full of classes, and then when the spring actually hits, they're used in extension offices to answer phones, to do beautification projects, to do all sorts of things that master gardeners can be useful, volunteers that can be useful doing. And so, as Nicole says, in some counties they have to look around for more volunteers. In some counties, I was in Hall County, Nicole, up in Gainesville past this past week, and they had a big classroom full of enthusiastic master gardener volunteers. It will change your life. <laughs> How do you think it's changed your life? Well, Mr. Reeve, we don't buy stuff that is not going to live. For me, that was the biggest thing. I'm <laughs> buying stuff. They'll die. And I said, good grief. <laughs> Got to be a better way. So yeah, right. And so it's different from me because I buy stuff that I'm pretty sure won't live, but I want to test and just see. Like my primrose, I had a, a primrose now that's four years old that I bought when Mickey Gasaways had them on sale at Pike Nursery three or four years ago now. And when I bought it and planted it, I thought this primrose is probably not going to live. And lo and behold, we're four years later, and it's still alive. It's not happy. It doesn't look like the greatest primrose in the world, but it's still growing. It's still alive. It's still green. So at least one case, I planted something I didn't have a lot of confidence in, but it proved me wrong. Yeah, we tried to uh, survive. Uh, I went in, it's my marsh week this week. I went in the wood place, you know. And um, I feel when I walk in there, I feel like I'm home for some reason. <laughs> it's because they got a, a lot of bird, a lot of wood, and smell good. Yeah. And they got the bullfrog. This big bullfrog is always there every year. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
I was asking you about erosion. Okay. Well, um, I have a, a little place that uh, the water is running off, and yeah. I need to put something there. But there's already uh, lots of green, like um, cedar. I have this big cedar. Mm-hmm. Is um, the green stuff better than the wood or the railroad sack mm-hmm. or the uh, rocks? The green is always better, isn't it? I'm not. I'm not so sure you're right. So what Nicole is saying is she has an eroded place, and should she use plants to slow down the water and stop the erosion, or should she use wood or stone or things like that? In my experience, if it's a very gentle slope, yes, you can use some green material that will grow nicely. Liri is what a lot of people use in places like that. Maybe some English ivy or Asiatic jasmine or something that really sort of clings to the ground, holds the soil, and stops erosion. But it has to be a very gentle slope. And if it's anything more than holding my hands in front of the microphone so you can see it right here. Uh, if it's anything more than about 20 degrees, maybe 15 degrees, I think the stone, I think the wood, I think some railroad, railroad ties or something like that is a better way of stopping the erosion because they're solid and don't wash away quite as easily as plants when they're newly planted wood. Uh, when I was growing up, my uh, father had a house and they had a slope and uh, people before him plant a lot of cedar. Yeah. Okay, when my when my parents left the house, my brother bought the house, and he he, he got away with all. He put the bulldozer, not the bulldozer, <laughs> but now every year he's got water in the basement, and all this this year we never had water. Yeah. I was thinking. He changed the, the way the water runs. He changed yeah. the natural course yeah. of water, and now it's at the house, it's in the basement. And if maybe if he hadn't moved all those plants, it would not be that way. So uh, green is pretty good, but you have to put in account that the uh, the grade. That's yeah, what take matters. into account the grade, taking down the the slope of the of the uh, of the eroded area. And I know that a lot of people think that ooh, we could put some. I mentioned English ivy or liriope or Asiatic jasmine or something that clings to the ground there. But it's those first couple of years of establishment of those plants when they are still not very well rooted. Those are the years that you'll have the big rainstorm and coming down the hill and wash everything away and all your plants and everything if you use. And so that's why at least a little bit of brick or stone or railroad tire or landscape timbers or something solid that's put into place to slow the water down, that's important. That slow the water down. Yeah, you got to slow it down. And, you know, frankly, for your brother and for you as well, you got to think of where does the water come from? Is there a way that I can divert a gutter or have a little subterranean drain system that will divert the water from the steep place where the, where the erosion is occurring? The best way to know if when it rained real hard, like four yeah, inches yeah, every yeah, uh, yeah. every day, like we had, to go and see if where the water is going. Exactly. If you get out there, and <laughs> in my case, I was called back one day because somebody in my family said, Daddy, if you go out there when the lightning storms out there, you're going to get hit by lightning. And I thought, well, that's probably pretty smart to not be outside when the lightning is uh, is coming down. And sure enough, the minute I got inside the door, there was a huge lightning strike not too far from my house. It said, don't go out in the lightning. Go out in the rain, but not when the lightning is coming. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Exactly. Well, i got to get out of here, Nicole. It's great talking to you again. See you next Saturday. And uh, enjoy your day. Thank you, dear. I'll see you then. It's 618. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. 
This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, truck mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It starts chilly. It's 31 degrees right now, but it's going to warm up a little bit as the day progresses on. Expect clear, sunny skies all day, maybe getting to the upper 50s this afternoon. Tonight, the cold moves back. Vengeance is here. Overnight lows in the low 20s. Your full weekend forecast comes in 10 minutes on News Talk WSB. Diana is with us. Diana, join us on Lawn and Garden. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Diana. Hey. I have a mold damage in my front yard, a lot of uh, holes from mold. And um, our pest control person told us that, you know, it's a very expensive thing to get rid of mold. Right. And a less expensive option would be to chew juicy fruit gum and drop the juicy fruit down in the mold Mm. hole. Mm. And to do this, I guess, consistently for several weeks, and that would help our mold problem. I don't see how that's possible. (laughs) It's not possible. It doesn't work. It is not something that will give the moles any reason to get rid of get out of Diana's um, lawn. I have a in my lecture when I when I talk to master gardeners and train them about how to advise people just like you how to control moles and voles and various things. I say here's a list of things that do not work against moles, and the first thing on the list is juicy fruit chewing gum does not work. Ground glass does not work. Um, little vibrating things with the windmill on top. They do not work. There are just fumigants, uh, smoke bombs. They do not work. There are so many things that do not work (laughs) against moles. And your pest control person, you know, if he thinks that works, then I'm not sure that I trust his advice on other things, too. But bottom line, the only advice I have about mole control is if you want to spend a couple of weeks figuring out how to use a trap and how to find which tunnel the moles are, are using in your, in your lawn, fine, yeah. you'll take two weeks to do that. But frankly, the easiest thing I know of to control moles is just to stomp down the tunnels. Get out there with your big tennis shoes and stomp down the tunnels. Eventually, the moles will go to my house or your neighbor's house, somebody else's house, because you're constantly making them have to work in your house. So stomp down the tunnels. That will renew the the grass that's been pushed up by the moles, and let that be it. Traps, maybe, but you really have to be good at figuring out where the moles are traveling in order to get a trap or a poison or a gel or a gummy worm or one of those to work. Mash down the tunnels. I know that works. Diana, I got to go, but thank you for calling. Juicy Fruit Gum, keep it in your mouth, but not in the mold tunnel. At 628, you're listening to Lawn and Garden. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 636, 31 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener and sometimes the Georgia wildlife manager. If you have a question about 
critters, critters that are getting into your attic, critters that are turning over the trash can. If you've got any kind of question about them, give me a call. I'm finished doing my Master Gardener classes on controlling nuisance vertebrates, and I'm ready to go with information. Pat, uh, Joe, I mean, just a few minutes ago, Joe had to leave to get off to work, but he had a question about beaver and wanted to know if he could do something to control beaver that were eating the little trees around his backyard. And beaver are one of the hardest animals to get final control of because they move very readily into places where uh, population has not had an establishment yet. And so with beaver, about the only thing you can do is hire a professional to come and trap them. And if you have trees, little three and four inch trees that the beaver are cutting down to make their dam, then uh, protect those trees with chicken wire. A piece of chicken wire four feet wide and wrapped around two or three times will keep beaver away from the trunks of trees. And if you have special apples or pine trees or something that provides shade in the backyard and you don't want the beaver to get to it, then that's what I recommend. But as far as controlling them physically yourself, better hire a professional. Their professionals have traps. Professionals have other ways of making beaver move out of your environment and into somebody else's environment. But all the homeowner can do usually is simply protect the bottom of the trees. Protect it with chicken wire two or three times wrapped loosely around the trunk of a tree. Beyond that, Get a pro. Get somebody who knows what they're doing. Pat is in Gainesville, Georgia, and Pat joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Pat. Good morning. Um, yes, I I am wondering about about coyotes. Sure. How to get rid of coyotes. Wolves. Wolves and coyotes do not like to be in the same territory. So if you import a couple of wolves, you will not have any coyotes. Do what now? <laughs> <laughs> All right, it took you by surprise, didn't I, Pat? <laughs> it, is, it is true that wolves tend to dominate coyote uh, families, and the wolves make the coyotes move oh, away. <laughs> yeah, but you don't need, I don't think they're going to sell you two wolves from the Sears and Robot catalog. So <laughs> the answer, the real true honest answer, Pat, is that nothing will control coyotes. The oh. best you can do is minimize them, and minimizing, managing, maintaining, whatever you want to call it, is best done by doing two or three things. Don't make the environment good for coyotes, which means make sure all of your trash is in metal cans. Make sure you don't leave uh, dog food or cat food out at night. Don't leave your your cat or your puppy or anything out at night when the coyotes can grab them. Uh, just do things that make a coyote think, man, Pat didn't put any food out for us tonight. I'm going to go over to you know, Becky's house and eat, okay. her, eat her trash or something. So that's about the best you can do. There's no poisons. There's no repellents. It is simply making the habitat not as conducive as, as it otherwise could be. Okay. Or the wolves. If you can find two wolves, it'll work, Pat. <laughs> Go get them. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. All right. Sorry I don't have a better answer than that, Pat, but that's bottom line it. You cannot do anything except sort of minimize the effect of coyotes. They flow like water. I mean, I think about this sometimes, that if you were to hire a professional, and professionals in Atlanta can trap and sometimes shoot coyotes, depending on where they are, but even a professional will say, I can get rid of coyotes for a couple of weeks, but as soon as I do, somebody from another family is going to look over there in Pat's neighborhood and say, wow, look, there's trash cans and there's, there's dog food. Oh boy, let's move into there. And they'll flow into it. And so there's no permanent way, even if you trap or shoot one, there's no permanent way to keep them out of your landscape unless you make the environment not conducive for them. Edward is in Rock Martin. He joins us in Lawn and Garden. Edward, hey, good morning. How you doing? Hey, man, I'm all right. What's up? Uh, I got trouble with armadillos. 
<laughs> Another creature that yeah. I yeah 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 yeah. Armadillos do not flow as quickly as coyotes do to fill a hole in the environment. And so you can trap armadillos relatively easily if you have just an idea of where they're coming from. Where? How do you know you have armadillos in the first place? I seen them early in one morning. I was leaving for work. Yeah. And I seen them out in my front yard. <laughs> and I really didn't have anything to, you know, take care of them, right. so to speak. Did they, have you seen them plow up a flower bed before? They just plow the heck out of flower beds. They root little holes in the lawn looking for grubs. Um, he, he really, he, in my backyard, yeah. right around my retaining wall. Yeah. That's the he's most dead. I think he's looking for worms or grubs. Or exactly. Whatever. That's exactly what they eat. That's what he's looking for. And lawns and landscapes are places where the ground is a little bit softer maybe than it is out in the woods. And so the armadillo comes to visit and tears things up trying to find something to eat. Here's what I think about armadillos and how to control them. If you have a general idea of where they are spending the night, maybe it's a patch of woods behind the house, maybe it's a bunch of logs and trees that fallen down where they make a little little hidey hole back there to stay over the night, and then they come out in the morning, like you said, Edward, they come out and they you know, grub around in your lawn. But if you have an idea where they are, you can make what the uh, – what the professionals call a drift fence, and a drift fence is nothing more than things piled in a sort of a line on both sides of a big, long, wide V. The wide part of the V points toward the woods where the armadillo stays. The narrow part of the V is where you have a live cage trap. You can either make one yourself. There are a lot of plans online for making a wooden uh, live trap, or you can buy one for maybe from the hardware store. But basically you make this drift fence, this drift uh, wood pile or or wheelbarrows or cinder blocks or landscape timbers or something that just makes an armadillo when it's coming out of the woods in the morning say, okay, I'm going to go down the fence here and see what's at the end. And armadillos don't look up. They only look down at the ground. And so they snuffle along as they go down the fence and past the bricks and past the, the tricycle that you put up to keep them guided in the right direction. Finally, they get down to the the narrow part of the V and what is there is nothing but a big opening with some wire mesh around it. They go inside, bang, down comes the the gate on the wire on the live trap and you have an armadillo now in a cage trap. You got him. What are you going to do with him? Sadly, I think Mr. Armadillo or Miss Armadillo is going to meet their meet the end of their life there because you're not supposed to transport them or release them in other places in Georgia. That's one of the wildlife rules. Do not move animals around or armadillos or things like that because they introduce diseases to the other parts of the of the population. So some people use 22 pistols or a gun and they shoot them. Other people drown them in in the river or the pond or something like that. So it's a sad end for the armadillos, but you can trap them and move them, and it'll generally be a while, six months maybe, before you see another armadillo that's come in from the neighboring woods and says, man, look behind behind Edward's house back here. There's all sorts of grubs in the ground. And so then the armadillo sets up housekeeping again. If you want some uh, a picture of what a drift fence looked like, my former brother-in-law Tommy, bless his soul, had uh, has made a picture and took pictures of his armadillo drift fence and the trap that had the armadillo in it that he was so proud of himself for doing. So Edward, if you want to go to my website at walterreeves.com, just type in armadillo in the search line. It'll tell you exactly what to do to try to manage and move their population. Thanks for going. Thanks for calling, Edward. We got uh, more people on the line here. Bobby is up in Jefferson, Georgia, and Bobby joins us from Lawn and Garden. Hey, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm all right. What's up? 
Uh, listen, I got a about an acre in fescue of my yard, mm-hmm. and I was wondering, can I fertilize now and then, like around the end of March, um, aerate, overseed, and fertilize again? Boomity boom, you got it exactly right. You don't need me. But fertilizing, I think, frankly, if you have not fertilized them already this winter, Bobby, you're behind. You're behind in doing it because fertilizer is usually applied to fescue in September, November, February, and April. And you got the last two uh, going on, so that's yeah. fine. What's the best fertilizer to use at this time of year? Any, you know, there's not a brand name that sticks out in my head as being the absolute ultimate best over all of them. Scotts, of course, has a good product, and uh, Pike Nursery down here in Atlanta, they sell great uh, fertilizers there, but I can't say that one is absolutely uh-huh. the uh-huh. best. Get a lawn fertilizer, it says something like 2934, 2862, okay. or something like hey, that. Hey, I appreciate it. All Y'all right. have a great day. Yourself the same. Thanks for calling, Bobby. Uh, bye-bye. Fertilize that fescue. Fescue is a cool season grass, meaning that it does a lot of its growth in the cold weather. It makes roots during the cold weather, and then it has a huge growth spurt that happens when it warms up in March and April. And so you've got to fertilize it now in order to fuel that growth spurt in order to make better roots so that in the summertime, when it gets hot, the fescue does not suffer so much. Vicki. Vicki's out in Dunwoody, and she joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey. Hey, Vicki. Hey, Walter. Good morning, Happy good Valentine's. morning. Hey, thank you, dear. Happy Valentine's uh, back to you. You know, I got Chipmunks, not not rats, but chipmunks mm-hmm. and squirrels mm-hmm. going around the house. Mm-hmm. And I saw one coming up on the window, and I looked out there, and they have made a hole on the brick. Oh, Lord. Did they gnaw the hole or just push the brick out of the way? I tell you, you it's up on the roof, and it's a brand new roof, so yeah. they can't get in from the roof, so they make a hole between the window and the brick. How about that? I'm about to kill them all, but I don't know how. <laughs> if it's a squirrel or a chipmunk or maybe even a rat. No, no, it's chip- chipmunks. No, no, that one up there is a squirrel, I know. Then the best thing that a homeowner can do, I think, is to get a live trap and trap the squirrel or the chipmunk. And even though I said a while ago it's not really right to move them around, I don't think as much damage going to be done to the squirrel environment to move the squirrel once you've got him in a live trap. Two miles away from your house, I don't think there's any chance of the squirrel coming back to your house then. And eventually, in the next couple, three weeks, you'll have more squirrels that will move in, but at least you have one gone, maybe two gone, that you capture. Oh, okay. Use a live trap. Use one of those. Okay. Have a heart. Tomahawk is a brand name. And I tell you, they're a million, so I can't do anything about them. <laughs> I have a lot. Vicki, I have a sort of, a, as you can imagine, a nice landscape for squirrels and chipmunks and other creatures who want to eat some bird seed or want to have flowers and have trees in the backyard that have nuts and fruit on them. And the only thing that I can do that works consistently is to set my live trap underneath the bird feeder. I'll trap five or six squirrels in a row over a week's time. I take them two miles away and release them, and you just don't see those squirrels anymore. I'm used they to, go to somebody else's house. They go to somebody then. else's house. I know that's not being a good neighbor to your to your friends and no, folks no, no, around no. you. You know, last year I had a snake. Yeah, yeah. And the man came and got the snake, and he said he was going to release it close to his house. Yeah. And, that, you know, snakes, a lot of snakes in Georgia, if they're not venomous, are protected animals, and that's a, a good thing for the guy to do. You may not like snakes in the yard, but they're not bad in somebody else's yard that doesn't mind having them around. But bottom line, going back to the squirrels and the chipmunks, if you get a live trap, bait it with some sunflower seed back in the back of the trap so they'll 
uh, step on that little trigger treadle inside, and then, as I say, move them a couple of miles away. I used to, this is five, ten years ago now, I used to paint the back tail of the squirrels and the chipmunks that I would capture with fluorescent spray paint. I would just you know, hold it above the trap and spray them a little bit to, to mark them. And then I would take them two miles away. I never had one return to my uh, to my backyard. So I think two miles away, live trap. And that's my advice on controlling nuisance vertebrates that you have, squirrels and rats anyway, and chipmunks that you have in the backyard. It is 648. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates four times an hour all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. Our music brought to you this morning by the demented mind of Scott Maxim. Here. Not sure exactly what melody that was, Scott, but it must have been something important to you. Stone Roses Love Spreads. I'm kind of working the Valentine's Day thing for those who like blues rock. <laughs> Thank you, Scott Maximo. I do appreciate that. Blues spread. Okay, a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be actually pretty nice this afternoon. Upper 50s, Kirk says. Tonight, cold comes back in. Oh, man, down to the low 20s. I believe Kirk says pogo stick thermostat. Thermometer is going to be around. Clear skies throughout. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We'll talk to Irving in a minute. Irving swears he has a way to control moles and other creatures in the lawn. I'll talk to Irving in just a minute. Charlie's first in line, though. Hey, Charlie. Good morning. How you been? I'm all right. What can I do for you, Charlie? Okay, finally made this, uh, bought me some land I'm getting out of Milton. All right. And, and I've talked to them down there, and they say they amend their soil with some kind of mushroom stuff. Yeah. But what I was wondering, what if I was to get a tandem dump truck of some good bottom soil from some creek area up here yeah. and took it down there? Is that legal? When you say down there, where do you mean down there? Uh, North Central Florida. It's going to be a long drive, my friend. That's a long way to drive a dump truck. But I like good tomatoes. <laughs> All right. As far as I know, it is legal. There's no rule, law, or anything that says you cannot move dirt from Georgia down there into Florida. But my bet is there are landscape folks down in the middle northern part of Florida who are going to say, Mr. Charlie, we could make all sorts of soil for you right here, and you don't have to drive that big old truck for several hundred miles. Well, just uh, whatever it takes, because where we're where we are, there's it's in that Florida Greenbelt. Yeah, and uh, you don't see gardens out around people's houses like you do up here. Hmm. And I'm just kind of wondering why. I know that you know it gets real hot in the summer, and you sure. can't sure. do it like we do. But you know, you kind of got stuff now that would, you you should be planting down there, and then of course again in the fall you'll be planting. But just that. So, so what I say is call the local extension office. Florida has same extension kind of operations we do here in Georgia. There's one in every county. Call and find out why they're not planting or what kind of soil is best for planting tomatoes and what's the best you know, schedule for getting the tomatoes in the ground down in Florida. Because you're right, when I did TV down there, we could not do television after about May or June. It was just too hot. Couldn't plant anything. Didn't make any sense to do anything. But call down there. An expert from the Extension Service in Florida would be better than me ever telling you what you should do and how to be successful down there, Charlie. We'll miss you, but of course you can listen to us online and get the podcast and all that kind of stuff. As soon as you're gone, be sure and keep up with me. It's 6.58 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. 
gave me this advice, he said that... Uh, 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 